From the front row of the theater to your headphones, this is your Wednesday matinee. The WICB podcast for all things Broadway. We are your hosts, Connor Hibbard and Lou Barron, two certified theater kids with a lot of knowledge and even more opinions. What more can we say? Welcome, foolish mortals, to the haunted mansion. Oh, wait. Is that? Oh, I'm sorry. That's. That was the lead-in for my the the episode of my my other podcast, Your Wednesday Fast Pass Plus, uh, a Disney World podcast. But uh, but that's not that's not what we're here for today. We're here for your Wednesday matinee, and I'm Connor Hibbard with my, uh-huh. with my co-host, Lou Barron. <laughs> were you confused? I was very confused. I I did not know where that was going at all. Well, um, I'm glad I could. I'm glad I can keep you on your toes. Yeah, listeners, listeners of this podcast, Connor insisted on surprising me with our intro bit today, and I, I have to say, I thought it would be something Better. other than that. <laughs> but we're rolling. <laughs> we are, we are rolling. And uh, if you hadn't seen from the episode title or from my my haunted mansion introduction, this is a very spooky episode of your Wednesday matinee. So dim the lights, put on um, Halloween Town in the background, and get ready to discuss some of the best, worst, and in-between spooky musicals. Uh, Lou, you have any? You have anything to say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say instead of putting on Halloween Town in the background, put on one of these musicals if you yeah, can. Right. Uh, listen to our playlist. Get in the mood. It's spooky season. <laughs> it is. Halloween is just a few days away. Very, very, very spooky. So get the ambiance ready because yes. you are about to hear a lot of fun facts and a lot of opinions. This is this might be uh, a pretty divisive episode. So so get ready. Yeah, we we have some very. Um, we're gonna fight, okay? Yeah. Like it's just it's gonna happen, and. Yeah. Uh, just mentally prepare yourself. Light a candle or two or five. Uh, don't bring your house down. We're not liable for that. Do you want to get into it though? Let's like go. Let's just. So this is this is a musical we disagree a little on. It's Young Frankenstein. Lou, why don't you give us your thoughts on this on this show? Okay. So I love Young Frankenstein. I think it's very funny and does what it does very, very well. Um, it really does what Mel Brooks does <laughs> very, very yeah. well. Um, I also have to say I was in Young Frankenstein, so I have a little bit of a convoluted perspective, perhaps, just because I have really good memories of being in Young Frankenstein as um, Ziggy, the town idiot, if any <laughs> of you know the show. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, and like it, it's the kind of show where you where as an audience member you're smiling from a minute in to the end with no break whatsoever and as far as it's just like spooky appeal it's set in the gothic mansion of Victor Frankenstein Frankenstein's grandson excuse me is, is that uh, like Frankenstein yeah exactly he, his <laughs> big his big thing is he doesn't want to be associated with his crazy 
grandfather. He wants to be a real scientist and a real professor. And the Frankenstein name is a dishonor to that. So he says, my name is Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Frankenstein. And that in itself is just a really fun bit. Basically, I love fun bits. And this <laughs> musical is just one long fun bit. So it is one long fun bit. Um, but I would emphasize the word long. This musical is too long. Oh, wow. I, I was smiling from the first minute until about halfway through act two. And then I said, I would like this to be over now. So my issues with Young Frankenstein are two. First, um, like I said, it's, it's too long. I think you can cut it down like a lot. Second, none of the songs have stuck with me, except putting on a Ritz because that's the, the one from the movie, the one that everyone knows. I guess that's more my fault. Uh, than the musical's fault. Um, well, my issues are three. I feel like musical comedies sometimes get trapped in this kind of like trying to find an, an, a disingenuous emotional core that I feel like you don't really need there. And it's... You think has, Frankenstein has a disingenuous emotional core? I feel like that's my problem with act two as well is that... It just, I just don't like the, the resolution. The resolution is too long and it doesn't need to happen that much. Lou, please take my confusing argument and make me agree with you. Okay, so first of all, your, your first point was that it's too long, right? So I think it is long. I think to me though, the crown jewel of act two and the number that really sets the rest of act two in motion is deep love and i'm astonished that you don't at least remember that like if you remember one thing from young frankenstein it should be that elizabeth uh frederick's fiance falls in love with the frankenstein monster or Frankenstein. Maggie. Oh, I forgot about that. And sings this whole song. It's just one giant innuendo for how well endowed the monster is. And it's right. hilarious because, like, this woman is just so genuinely, well, as genuine as you can be in a, in a Mel Brooks musical, she's just so genuinely in awe and in love and sexually satisfied and it's just so freaking funny and then I, I feel like the rest of the musical kind of like rolls forward from there <laughs> maybe it's a little twisty and a little turny but at least for me like it's just so entertaining the whole time and, and I feel like as long as production's pacing like as long as the pacing is good the musical is constructed in a way that will keep the audience listening the whole time. If not, like, for any story, just for the next joke. Mel Brooks is so self-referential as well. Literally, at the end of the finale, one of the lines in there is, maybe next year Blazing Saddles, like he's gonna make a Blazing Saddles musical. And there are just so many little things like that that I feel like if you're the right audience member, you're on the edge of your seat listening for those things the whole time. And what was your last gripe with it? 
I just feel like it wraps everything up a bit too neatly and a bit, especially from, from Mel Brooks. I think it just wraps everything up a bit too neatly, a bit too nicely, uh, and is a bit too cliched like every other musical comedy. I feel like that was the point, though. Like, I think that that is absolutely what he did. Like, he wrapped it up like a, a cliche musical comedy. But I feel like he did so in a very self-aware way. Like, yeah, I think yeah. kind of the whole time he's kind of, like, winking at you, like, this is cliche, um, which isn't everyone's cup of tea. But I think it's okay and even good and funny because he wasn't trying to be genuine you know right like he was trying to engage in a commentary on (laughs) the cliche nature of the genre and the story right Um, i guess i just didn't get the joke at the time maybe i still don't and again i it's not like it's not like i hated the show i when i saw i I enjoyed it well enough. It just didn't leave that much of a lasting impression on me. And I do stand by it. I think it's too long. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. I'm believe me. I am all for like a one act hour and a half format and young Frankenstein. I will concede can be a bit much, especially if you are not already entrenched in the Mel Brooks canon. Yeah. Um, Well, Lou, you conceded a little bit on that one. I conceded a little bit on that one. There will be no concessions on this next one, at least on my part. None. Um, None. <laughs> the next spooky musical that we're going to talk about is one of my absolute favorites. One of uh, my the, absolute least favorites. <laughs> the, the Phantom of the Opera. Now, I was 12 or 13. I saw this. Um, my mother uh, was a teacher, and... This was at her, her high school, a local high school production of Phantom of the Opera. I did not want to see this show. I thought, like, Phantom, like, might, might get a little freaky. I don't want to sit through an opera. Cut to two and a half hours later, I am sobbing. I loved it so much. It was legitimately the guy who played the Phantom in the high school production, high school senior, like, legitimately so amazing, moved me so much. I... I've since seen the show three times. I saw it on tour once and I've seen it on Broadway twice. I know it has problems. I know Andrew Lloyd Webber plagiarized. I know that the characteristics of the Phantom are questionable. However, I love this show with all my heart. Lou, please tell me why I'm wrong. Oh, for so many, so many reasons why (laughs) you're wrong. But first of all, I will say that you saw a good high school production of phantom i know well and for that like i just commend that high school for somehow making you fall in love with it at that like level of theater you know and i i i saw it many years ago so i don't remember it super clearly i do remember loving all the leads and the story i mean the production values were high school production values but i mean i i I absolutely credit them with making me fall in love with this show. So yeah, so here's, here's the thing about that. <laughs> is that, you know, you say, you know, production value in high school, questionable. I am just amazed and in shock that you find 
the story engaging without the production value. Yeah. Because to me, like Phantom is just one gigantic spectacle of a show. Like you go in and you're sitting there and there's this big old auction and they're like, here is a creepy monkey thing. And then you you like watch this old man like buy a monkey box. And then, I don't know, it's just at no point do I care in that (laughs) entire musical. I'm just like, oh, like if you think Young Frankenstein, the end is too drawn out, the beginning of Phantom is like, it takes like 25 minutes to even get to the story of Phantom in the first place. Cause you're watching like this like meta, like show within a show opera production, which is like, again, like, why do I care? And then you get to, you finally hear like, oh, Phantom, there's a Phantom and it's creepy. Just, I I think the only engaging thing about it is that a chandelier literally falls on the stage at the end of Act One. It's like, I really like commend the technical aspects of Phantom. I'm like, wow, set, lights, amazing, so cool, Uh, you know, all that stuff. But it's just like, as far as the story goes, as far as the just bones of the narrative we're supposed to be following, I just, I just fall asleep. Like, I don't care. Well, first of all, uh, so that chandelier, I've been sitting under it when it comes at you, and that is terrifying. You want to talk about spookiness in musicals. That's (laughs) a fear for my life. That is an amazing effect. So I guess I'm just a sucker for for romance in my musicals. Romance, Um, you say? Yes, and it is. I will, I will defend it. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I guess, I guess I'll let you talk about your issues with the, with the romance. Yeah. So Phantom is not a romantic show in, in any way to me, specifically as it relates to Christine and the Phantom, because I know like her true love is Raul, whatever, like she goes off with him at the end but still has this like tender moment with the phantom that's supposed to be so just like packed with emotion and vulnerability and and meaning and all i see is that the writers of this musical said we're gonna make this woman fall in love and just have this this awe for and about her abuser That's what I see. (laughs) I see Phantom drag her into his lair. I see him force a ring on her finger and kill people. And and we're just supposed to excuse it. And we're supposed to sympathize with him because like, oh, I've been hurt before. And oh, I love her and I'm so persistent. I kill people for this woman. And we're supposed to care about that. And we're supposed to just be okay with it like i just i i will never understand that as a woman you know well i don't i think we are meant to to sympathize with him and i think we are supposed to care about him i don't think we're meant to excuse him because at the end of the show 
he he gets nothing. Like, I mean, putting aside Love Never Dies, because that is not canonical, he, ba- <laughs> he basically dies. He, he doesn't get anything that he wants, and he learns a lesson from it. Okay, but he he's like a martyr, he though. A he's not a martyr. He stands for nothing. He stands only for himself. But are we not supposed to believe that he stands for Christine? Like, no. he's... I think, I think, look, I am not a woman. So I, I do not, <laughs> in case you're, you're listening and are, are just wondering, I'm not a woman. So I do not understand this from a woman's perspective. And, 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 and there are completely valid criticisms of this show that Christine doesn't have much agency. None. Um, she has none. I think she has a little. I think she chooses to go with the Phantom a couple of times. Not at the end. Okay. But yeah. Well, keep go going. I'll, I'll talk um, about that that choice in a second. Yeah. So so I, I I completely understand and stand with those criticisms. Um, but I think when you when you boil Phantom down, it is a character study of the Phantom, and it is necessary to the story that he has the power in the relationship. I don't think we're meant to follow his example. Please. Okay, so two things. One, on a more recent thing you said about Phantom being a character study of Phantom. If it was a character study, if it was a good character study, we would spend more time with him than we do in this musical. Like, he's barely, like, he's there. Like, he's obviously an active presence. Well, really, like I said, it takes, like, 25 minutes to get to the actual story (laughs) of Phantom of the Opera. So, like, from the 25-minute mark to the end, he's the character that drives the story. Mm -hmm. But we don't hear from him, really. Like, we do, but not in, at least to me, not in a really meaningful way. Like, character studies focus on, you know, complex characters. Like, I think his character kind of masquerades as a complex character in in the writing. Because he clearly, well, he has this deformed face, right? And he's been ridiculed and mocked and put down by society his entire life. And then, you know, he has this power, (laughs) this, you know, magical, you know, spooky power. And, and to me, just saying this character has been beat down by the world is like the most cliche backstory of all time. And, and it doesn't, it's not specific. There's nothing there to really like grasp onto. And it's just like, oh, I've been hurt. So therefore I am allowed to hurt. I'm allowed to be horrible because people were horrible to me. And that's just not really a morality that I can get behind. And it's, it's not even that like, I'm not saying that the show wants us to take that away from it. I'm not saying the writers sat down and thought, this is the value that we're trying to communicate here. But I think nonetheless, intent versus impact, I think it's the, the value that comes across. And I guess that's a production's choice rather than a, a muse, like a, a book's choice is the book has laid out like the words and the directions and everything. And then the production can choose whether they want to condemn the Phantom or not. There's more that the audience has to read in and imply with Phantom under the surface to get the full effect and to walk out with what they should walk out with. 
yeah that's that's the thing is like i think if a show is going to lead you down a moral value-based path yeah um they should be really vigilant about ensuring that the construction of the show and literally what is on the page for future productions of the show not be irresponsible <laughs> like i think that especially the character of christine is written irresponsibly it's just as far as you mentioned before you think she has a little bit of agency but i think the agency that she appears to have in the show is not really agency when you look at it through the lens of patriarchy and like i'm not gonna go down this hole because i will be <laughs> here forever um i'm a gender studies concentration and i could analyze this to death literally so i'm not going to do that the long the long and short of it is that the choice she makes to you know go and see him to go and be kind to him and i mean that's kind of the big choice she makes at the end right is to extend the phantom kindness i just feel like that's just such an idealized portrait of what anyone would do in that situation and we wouldn't put a man on a pedestal for being kind to a murderer like that's just not a story that we would ever tell yeah there's there's more i could say but i yeah. think that that it's really just enough for the listeners of this podcast yeah. to know that i i have a long feminist theory critique of phantom as a work of art right well, that was an enlightening discussion on it Phantom. It really was. I don't think we really like compromised at all, but nonetheless, I, I don't think for compromise. the people to hear. Yeah, I don't think we compromised, but I think we found we found points of agreement, and 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 I think this podcast can safely and productively continue because our next musical, well, we're gonna we're gonna um, debate this one a little bit as well, um, but maybe not as as deeply and as existentially because it is the famous Broadway flop, Carrie. Uh, Lou, I talked about why I loved Phantom, so why don't you talk about why you love Carrie? All right. I love Carrie. I think <laughs> Carrie is... That, that wasn't why, but I just had to say it. Um, <laughs> I think it's so underrated as a show. I think there are certain archetypes that it falls into that are very popular archetypes to play on in a more contemporary Broadway sense. If you're talking about like high school musicals, like musicals. Not that one. That, no, never that one. <laughs> yeah. like No, like just high school age yeah. characters. Like, I mean, we got Heathers, we got Mean Girls, we got. Yeah, Be More Chill. Be more chill. Yeah, there's another good one. Even like Percy Jackson, I'd say, kind of like falls under right. that like umbrella of like the trendy teenage pop rock musical. Carrie originally debuted 
1988. And the production that I'm familiar with is actually the 2012 revival. Yeah, um, that, that's what we're focusing on. Yeah, we're not talking about the 1980s production. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the version that I listen to and love is the 2012 revival version with Molly Ranson and Marin Maisie. May she rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of Marin Maisie, her character, Margaret, Carrie's mom, is one of the prime reasons why I adore this show. She's the best thing about this show for me. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, and if you're, if you're talking about like a contrast to Phantom, as far as complicated, interesting, engaging female characters, yeah. Carrie brings this in spades. From Carrie to herself, who, you know, obviously the musical is called Carrie, it centers around Carrie, to her mother, yeah, yeah, maybe my one gripe with the show would be that uh, Christy Altamere's character is kind of irrelevant. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on, wait, let me just like real quick look up the name of the character, because like literally that's how irrelevant. Sue? Oh, right, 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 yeah, Sue. Christy Altamere's character, Sue, is kind of like a B-plot, popular girl love storyline that isn't super necessary. It's kind of extraneous, (laughs) but I'm I'm still, regardless, in spite of that, I still love the show. For its complicated female characters, for the spooky telekinesis, just her, her anger, and the whole just commentary on Christianity and the miseducation of young women um, by their, you know, deeply, their quote unquote good Christian parents. I'm like, I'm not bashing Christianity, believe me. Well, well she's a um, religious fanatic. She takes it. She's a religious fanatic. She's an extremist. She is. In a dangerous way. Yes, in a very, very dangerous way. And of course, not all Christians are like that. That's not what I'm saying. Um, But that mentality does absolutely exist and is harmful in real life to a lot of young women. And this show just goes there. Like, it does it. And like, on top of that, the actual score itself, there are just so many bangers. Like, as far as just, like, a show that I like listening to in, which is the opening number, falls into, again, like, that kind of more modern archetype of, like, the high school musical. And then, oh boy, there are just so many fun ones. Um, the, world according to, the World According to Chris is just a good fun one but also like move the story forward. Unnecessary. It was an unnecessary song. I didn't know why I was listening to it. Uh, (laughs) I think, I think, and Eve Eve was weak was my favorite because of Marin Maisie's um, incredible vocals there. I also liked, I liked everything she did. I also really liked Night, A Night Will Never Forget. The act two opener I thought was really good. Um, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I did think there were some bangers. If I, if I may, 
push back just just a, just a tad. I agree. I think it does like quote unquote go there um, to all these dark and and worthwhile places to go. And I think that would work better if it weren't if it were just less hokey. Like if this were grounded in reality. And if the main plot device wasn't her telekinesis, and I know this is not the musical's fault because this was a movie and before that it was a book. So I get, I, I get the supernatural part. I just think not that I think it knows what it wants to be. I think it's blending together super serious religious melodrama, like supernatural horror and like be more chill high school. And, and, and I think sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I, I do not hate this show. I, I, I enjoyed parts. I thought it was altogether fine. Like it didn't leave a super lasting impression on me. Um, I thought some of the songs were really good. So I just think that it goes to too many places. I think that's definitely a valid critique for me personally. I just think it's kind of a dynamite combination of stuff partially perhaps because it just panders to a lot of my own (laughs) tastes and interests um as far as like obviously the feminist aspect of the story and I just I love the telekinesis as a device that just further heightens the world you know like Mm -hmm. because it puts very real life or death consequences on top of an already just realistically high stakes world. And maybe that can be too many stakes for some people. Hmm. Like maybe one would argue that the story itself and the themes of the story itself are enough <laughs> to just carry that intensity because to carry that intensity. Oh, to... Ooh. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. Wow. Oh, no. I was on fire today. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, some, some may argue, some may argue, but in my personal opinion, the yeah the telekinetic aspects of the story just serve to heighten the stakes even more and it, it just keeps you on the edge of your seat like the entire time like oh my god like is she gonna blow and like you kind of know she is because yeah. if you've That's seen the, the movie like it's not a story that is unfamiliar but i still think that the show does a good job of maintaining that suspense despite it being a known narrative and i thought i thought i was gonna go into this show being like, let's just get to the pig blood, let's get to the prom. But I thought it paced itself uh, pretty well. My biggest gripe with the musical was that the evil characters were evil for reasons of plot convenience. I felt there was no motivation behind it. And, and I guess that's, that's the genre, right? It's, it's supernatural horror. But I think Carrie, her arc is, is, is well, not necessarily entirely new. I think it's well done. I think her mother's... Uh, well done, but I think like Chris and all the the kids who make fun of her are just kind of like evil to be evil, which kind of annoyed me. And then you gave them like, I know you said the world according to Chris. I just didn't think I didn't think that advanced anything. Yeah, I think why I appreciate 
the world according to Chris is just more than like, you know, a banger. Um, is that there is like an actual ethos that's being communicated through that song. There's a worldview, like there's something to latch onto as far as like, it's better for me to be awful and hurt other people than to be hurt myself and to get hurt and to be victimized. That to me is like, just encompasses the antagonistic side of this story, including in a way through Margaret, through her mother. Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's obviously not a particularly sweet and friendly <laughs> worldview. Um, and it's not something that people are like, ah, yes, that's a good person would think like <laughs> that. But it's a survival mentality. And it's deeper than just, I'm mean. It's yeah. like the reason why you're mean. Yeah. No, I see that. Anyway, I think that that's a pretty good yeah. summary. Um, Would recommend playing, especially for spooky season. Yeah, it is, it is a very good musical for, for right now. Spooky, spooky times. Well, that was a lovely little, to, to quote myself, a lovely little romp through some <laughs> of the spookiest musicals. Spooky romp. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed, but Lou, I uh, I have some really terrible news for you. You do? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, just like Carrie, this episode of your Wednesday <laughs> Matt has closed after just one performance. No. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, luckily, however, <laughs> just like Carrie, we'll be back in two weeks with another one night only. Can't miss theatrical events. And if you just can't wait another two weeks for your Broadway radio fix... I know I can't. Neither can I. So tune into the best of Broadway every Sunday morning from 10 to noon on 92 WICB. Listen on 91.7 FM in Ithaca, New York, or stream from anywhere on WICB.org. And to hear the music we discussed in today's show, check out 92 WICB on Spotify for our custom-made playlists. We'd also like to thank Epidemic Sound for our intro and outro music. If there's anything you, dear listeners, would like us to put on the podcast stage, send us an email at matinee at wicb.org. We'd love to hear from you. 